to the world of digital sound. Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome to this, the podcast story really for this week. As you know, these go up on a Friday exclusively on the website and then on a Sunday night you get to have them on YouTube. YouTube, I nearly said Ustream, but it's not Ustream, it's YouTube. YouTubing. And uh, this particular one is called Jimmy's Gun. Now, as ever, it's up to you really to decide whether or not you think any of this is based on fact, fiction, or a combination of the two. You leave your comments in the comments section on the video that goes up on YouTube on the Sunday and let me know what you think, really. Um, also, let me know what you think about whether or not these uh, you want to continue listening to these stories. I've got no idea how many people listen to these. I mean, it could be, could be one, could be 50, could be 500. I don't know. Oh, God, guys, before we start, before we start, I heard this this morning and uh, it just made me giggle and I've got to share it with you. Right, I don't usually do these sort of things, but here we go. Right, a blonde is in a hairdresser's, okay, getting a hair done. And the uh, hairdresser says to her, excuse me, ma'am, will you um, take your iPod off? Because she's got two of these headphones in. And uh, the, the, the woman said nothing. And she, she leaned down and she said, excuse me, can you remove your iPod earphones I cannot hear, I cannot cut your hair when you have those on. And she says, oh no, I can't or I'll die. And the hairdresser thinks, what the fuck? Um, excuse me, no, no, look, take them out so I can cut your hair. And the blonde goes, no, I can't or I'll die. And so the, the hairdresser gets pissed off and just plug, um, unplugs the headphones from her ears. And the woman goes, boom, keels over, dies. And they all look in shock. And then she picks up these headphones and has a little listen. And there's a voice going, breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> I love blonde jokes. I just think they're fantastic. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, right, that's my blonde joke for the day, which is going to get me in trouble with all the feminists. Um, do you know, one of these days I'm going to do a podcast on my opinions on women and feminism and stuff. That'd be an interesting one. That's bound to lose me a few subscribers. <laughs> I come from an old-fashioned world, I'm afraid, where real men are men and women are women. And women don't try and act like men and men don't try and act like women. Um, so <laughs> we'll explain that at some point in further detail. I think, uh, yeah, anyway, let's get round to that. So what is coming up is uh, Jimmy's gun. Okay, a story, Jimmy's gun. Now, I will tell you definitely without a doubt there was a Jimmy. Okay, that's a hint for you. And I will tell you my description of Jimmy is very, very accurate. And what happened to Jimmy is also very accurate. So uh, I'll leave you to kind of ponder the uh, rest of this story. Hopefully uh, you'll enjoy this and you're listening to it late night. I imagine people are sitting at home, you know, with their... Uh, you know, they're just going to bed or whatever, and they're stuck their iPhone, iPad on, and, you know, they're listening to my dulcet tones, and, you know, they're brushing into a deep, dark sleep, listening to the mellow tones of this podcast, and, wake up! <laughs> Got you. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, anyway, uh... <laughs> This is the story. I'll talk to you at the end, but this is the story. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of ached over this one for a little while. I was talking to the boys actually on Skype the other day, and I was saying that there are certain stories I'd like to tell, um, but there are certain stories that really, I don't know. And people say, well, why can't you tell them? Because the, the, it, it just paints me in such a bad light. And <laughs> you know, some of them just do. Some of them just make me look, you know, 
like a fucking gangster and I was never a gangster. Um, although, you know, those that watch the uh, watch and listen to the podcast stories will know that as a kid, I did kind of be on the fringes, I guess. Um, that's that's just kind of what I did. Uh, because that's that was where we were, you know, that was where we grew up. And I know some kids look at it and they think, Jesus Christ, you know, I, I, I can't believe any of that happened. Well, I'd, I'd love to confirm it for you, but guys, it would um, seriously give me a problem with the law if I did. But I will start off by telling you that this story uh, is one that I've been saving, okay? And uh, this one doesn't paint me in a, a, such a good light, but uh, it's up to you anyway whether or not you believe these stories. They could be fiction, they could be fact. It is down to you, the listener, you, the viewer, to decide whether or not you think it's real or fake. And then put that in the comments on the comment section on the uh, YouTube version. Uh, now, these obviously go up early. They go up on the website on a Friday, and then they go up on YouTube on a Sunday. Okay, so this one is called Jimmy. And in fact, this one is called Jimmy's Gun. Hope you enjoy it. Now, I think I was about 18 or 19 when this story starts. I was certainly very young, very naive. Um, brave as hell, you know, no, no fear no fear of anything. When I look back on those days now, I think, Jesus Christ, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> but, you know, that's how we were when we were kids. We had no fear. We, we didn't fear anything. We respected, but we didn't fear. We respected the police. We respected um, our parents. We respected those around us who, you know, deserve respect, but, um, and had earned that, but we had no fear. Um, and I guess that's that's kind of borne out in uh, in this guy Jimmy really. Jimmy was the ultimate fearless warrior, as far as we were concerned. He never hesitated, you know, Jimmy. He never hesitated. When we, I remember being in town with him, and we were uh, we we were um, just sat on a bench. I think we were, what were we waiting for? Oh, we were waiting for some bird to come. Yeah, and. Um, we just sat on this bench and a group of lads walked past us and Jimmy just happened to turn to me and he we were talking and he went, hey, fucking cop shite. And this, this guy that was walking past went, what did you fucking call me? And I was just about to say, well, actually, dude, that was a private conversation that we were having between ourselves and you shouldn't have been fucking earwigging it. It's nothing about you. The world doesn't revolve around you, dickhead. And before I could even get the first words out, the first one of them was on the floor nursing a very, very fucking broken nose. And he just never, never hesitated. He just, he just moved. You know, he, he was always act first, ask questions later, think later, just act first. I saw him do that a few times. I saw him in a nightclub do it as well with a bouncer who, um, <laughs> it wasn't Jimmy that was in trouble with the bouncer. It was another guy. And like the bouncer was being really, really heavy on this other guy and like punched him, give him a nasty kidney punch. And then, you know, was going to drag him to the door and kick him out. As soon as, uh, he, he, as soon as he, this bouncer hit this kid with this fucking kidney punch, we're all there ready to go. Oi, oi, come on, mate. Come on. There's no need for that. For fuck's sake. We didn't get a word out before Jimmy had this guy on the floor in a fucking arm lock, you know, with his uh, foot in the small of his back, you know. And, of course, that then caused a riot, didn't it? Bouncers came in all fucking directions. Jesus. But he was just that sort of guy, you know. 
And that's why I guess it came as no surprise that uh, Jimmy got himself in some trouble. He he was at a football match, and now I never attended football matches. I didn't. I still don't understand football. I don't care about football. Uh, Manchester Rovers United with Rooney Gascoigne or whoever he is. Um, I, I I really have no idea about football, and I don't care. All right, absolutely don't care unless we win the World Cup. I'll watch that. Um, but. You know, he, he, like a lot of the guys we used to hang around with, was a bit of a fanatic, Coventry City. And at that time, the football ground was right in the middle of town. Well, I'll say right in the middle of town. No, it wasn't in the middle of town. It was in the middle of um, a kind of an urban area, if you like. Loads and loads of normal everyday houses all around it. I can't remember the area, actually. It was Highfield. Was it Highfield? Can't remember. It wasn't Hillfields. I know what that was famous for hookers but <laughs> could have been high foot anyway what you did was you get you went down this um uh road and then at the end of this road there was a t-junction where the pawn shop used to be and then you turn left you turn right and then the football ground's just there and uh this was when it was in the middle of this urban area and him and his mates used to you know go go to the football some of the guys i knew some of them i didn't anyway but um he got himself in a bit of trouble now, the best that I can tell you is that uh, it would appear that a fight broke out in the stands. And I don't know who they were playing. Uh, and Jimmy got involved. Uh, and some coppers got involved and Jimmy downed one of these coppers. And unfortunately, he downed him in a big way. And the copper split his head open as he fell. And so, anyway, a number of other coppers then jumped on Jimmy uh, with their lovely big truncheons and beat the living fuck out of him. I remember that because I saw him. I saw him afterwards. He was in a right fucking state. But anyway, he had the living shit beat out of him by the cops. Everyone that was around him, uh, is, nobody could do anything. Nobody could do absolutely anything. I mean, the, the fucking police were everywhere. I mean, you know, some of the some of the guys that were with him afterwards told me you couldn't do anything. He was like in a sea of fucking coppers, and no matter how hard you tried to get in there, all that you'd find yourself with is a truncheon around the back of your head. So anyway, Jimmy got carted off, and uh, I went to the magistrate's court with him on the Monday because the match's on the Saturday, and uh, he was he was obviously you know he was in the nick over the weekend, and he appeared in the dock. And uh, basically said, right, okay, um, you are remanded in custody for trial at a later date. So, fucking hell, right, okay. And it was going to be a Crown Court. What they wanted to do him for was uh, GBH. Uh, I'm not even sure GBH as a crime still exists now, but it was grievous bodily harm was the, the charge. And it carried a sentence very similar to manslaughter. So, um, there was a good chance, though, he could argue that down and get ABH, actual bodily harm, and then end up with maybe, you know, a lesser sentence. But anyway, we that was all conjecture. He, he had himself a good lawyer, and he got himself sorted, and, you know. Anyway, uh, a couple of weeks went past, and uh, I went to see him once or twice. He was at Winston Green. I knew Winston Green quite well. <laughs> I'd been there enough times as a visitor and an impatient. Um, anyway, I went to see him a couple of times and the boys went to see him. And then uh, a particular day I got a phone call 
and it was one of my mates. He said, um, uh, Jimmy's after you. I said, really? All oh, right, okay. So he's going to send you a visitor order. Really need you to get there ASAP. So yeah, I can do that. Anyway, I went to see him. When I went to see him, he was he was in a mess actually. He had um, he had a, a massive fucking bandage type thing. Looked like it had been done by a first year medical student over his left eye, and uh, he basically um, just had the shit kicked out of him by the look of it. And uh, now he didn't he didn't and he refused to say what it was about because he knows that. If he'd have talked about it, it might have been, you know, something that managed to go outside as well as inside. And uh, if it came outside, it could cause a war. He'd obviously bumped into some people he bumped into before and they weren't happy with him or whatever, or he'd had a row or whatever. But in the end, he, he just, um, he'd had his ass kicked. And he said, uh, I, I really like uh, need to take this seriously now because I ain't getting out of it. And I see you're joking. Is it that fucking serious? I mean, really, you know, do, do we have a word with the powers that be and see if we can't get you some fucking backup in here? He said, no, 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 no. He said, it's not that. He said, it's just, um, they're going to, um, they're going to send me down. He said, the coppers want to make an example. My lawyers told me that. And they want to put me down for 15. 15 fucking years. You have got to be kidding me. 15 years. And I said, well, surely you can argue that out. He said, well, they want to make an example. And even best case scenario is we argue them down to a nine stretch uh, because that's the next tariff. And uh, he said, they argue down to that. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the best part of five years uh, before, you know, I'm going to get released or at least eligible for parole. I knew as well he was he had little chance of being eligible for parole because good behavior and jimmy just didn't go together you know so i said well uh, what can i do mate what can i do he said you can clear my fucking flat i said really so yeah he said clear it sell it give all the money to my mum he said and you can do me a big fucking solid mate i said what's that he said there is a piece in the cupboard uh just by um the airing cupboard there's a storage cupboard next to it. At the bottom of there, there is a piece. Take it, hide it, lose it, just do what you can. He said, if the police get anywhere near that fucking gun, then they're going to realise that it's a very, very hot piece of kit. Oh, fuck it. Right, okay. Um, so I promised him I'd do this, and I got some guys together, and we went uh, to his flat. We emptied it out, and uh, the last thing that we did... After the boys had left, I didn't want anybody to know I'd done this. I was going to lock up. It was a rented flat anyway, so it wasn't a big deal with that. Um, and I, I went and got this gun. It was a um, little pistol, little. It was a semi-automatic 9mm. And, uh, oh, sorry, no, no, it wasn't. It was a semi-automatic 4.5. I'll tell you why I know it was a 4.5 in a bit. But anyway, it was a 4.5. Uh, together with four boxes of ammo, it had a um, uh, box next to the gun with some kit in it. And uh, I'd never actually seen one of these before, but I, I realised fairly quickly that it was a press for making bullets. Yeah, seriously. I didn't even know that you could do that at home, but you do. 
uh, all you do is like you buy the little caps that go in the back and you buy the shell casings or you use the shell casings that, that have come out of your gun already you can reuse them and you push a cap into the back of your bullet you um, put the powder in the bullet and then you use the press to press in a new tip into the bullet and that's what this was and it had a you know big bag of tips big bag of caps um, big bag of shells and two of these like they look like um, cross what's those stupid crisps now you get in the tube uh, it, one of those it, it was like well there was two of those so anyway I, I grabbed all this kit put it in a bag uh, got his gun together with the holster the holster was a rear belt holster and uh, I stuck the uh, gun in the back of my belt and uh, now I'd, I kind of mean guns I'd been around guns but I'd, uh, I'd, I'd been around guns all right I knew my way around a gun and mainly other people's I never actually had one myself so well I, t I did later on in my life but that was uh, another story of which I've actually um, uh, done a podcast about I think uh, <laughs> bang 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 um, <laughs> but um, I got this gun and I stuck it in my pocket and I went uh, back to my place and then I, I had a look around for the best place I could hold this thing I thought the best thing I'd do is go out and buy a safe so I went out and got myself a, a little gun cabinet actually uh, from local gun shop somebody told me it was the best place to get a you know don't buy a safe a pain in the ass get yourself a gun cabinet so I got this little gun cabinet and put it in my airing cupboard at the back of the clothes and nailed it to the wall and all the rest of it and put this gun in there now the odd night I'd come out and play with this you know now three months went past uh, before Jimmy's trial and uh, a couple of us went to the trial we didn't go to every day it was in Birmingham Crown Court because uh, Coventry didn't have its, uh, have its own Crown Court in those days, but it was in uh, Birmingham Crown Court. And, uh, you know, we all sat there and we listened as this <laughs> copper gave this fucking story of how it happened. And uh, you would have to be fucking stupid to have believed him. Oh, I was just trying to keep the peace and rich, <laughs> pull people apart. And, you know, then I was hit over the head by this uh, bullshit. He was fucking swinging a trunch in the fucker. Anyway, um, they decided to find him guilty, right? The jury decided to find him guilty. They couldn't plead it down to a lesser charge. And he got grievous bodily harm, GBH. And he got sentenced to 11 years. Uh which came as a bit of a shock to all of us. The fact that he'd also been in trouble in jail came out uh, during the trial. The fact that he associated with known criminals came out during the trial. His previous convictions for assault came out during the trial. It was a complete fucking whitewash. And I tell you what, his lawyer was a prick. His lawyer was one of the biggest pricks I'd ever fucking been near. He, I didn't know which side he was working for. I really didn't. After the trial, you know, this lawyer came out and he, he shook her hands, or he tried to shake her hands and said, well, best result in the circumstances. And one of my mates just said to him, fuck off, you dosy twat. Fucking my mum could have done a better job than you. And we really had a go at this bloke. And he, he went and grabbed one of the ushers and, and <laughs> he said he was frightened for his safety. Fucking hell. Should have been the twat. Anyway, uh, so that's what happened. 
Now, um, Jimmy then got posted. He went to a jail up north and uh, he asked us if we would mind not visiting him. He wanted to be near his family and his family were from Scotland. And so he ended up up north, very north. So we never saw Jimmy, actually. I never heard from Jimmy from that day to this, you know, but I had Jimmy's gun and I kept it for a little while. Now, nobody knew that I had Jimmy's gun. And it came to a situation about a year later when I had reason to go and get Jimmy's gun. Now, I'll tell you what was going on. There was, there was a bit of, there was a bit of annoyance going between two sets of gangs. They weren't gangs. Two sets of groups, and one group. Uh, who was uh, the group I was on the fringes of, basically, was having a major row with a group from um, from the black country. Let's let's call it that. Okay, it was from kind of Dudley area, and uh, these group of criminals were very unhappy with our group of criminals over a uh, some job that had gone fucking awry or something. Oh God, I don't know. It was something to do with a security van. That's all I know. And uh, there was big fucking animosity on both sides and it was going to kick off. Someone had had his legs broken and then someone else had uh, found themselves with broken arms. Then somebody got shot. Then somebody else got shot. And then it was free for all. It was just, you know, everyone had the word out. Just watch your back because if, you know, if they've got your name in the frame, they're going to find you, they're going to put a bullet in your leg and blah, blah, blah. Now, I was always on the fringes of this. I never, never was anywhere near that sort of level of uh, fucking gangster. But um, I was warned off, you know, I was warned off as, well, come on, Ken, you are known to have, you know, help these guys out, you know, maybe supply the odd car, maybe um, uh, maybe turn up as a watcher when, when required. So, uh, you know, it's not as if they don't know who you are. Uh, and I thought, right, okay, fair enough, they know who I am. So, all right, I've got to watch my back. So we all kind of met up. There was, a, say it was a meeting. It wasn't a meeting as such. It was, oh God, it sounds like the fucking Sopranos when you talk like this. It really does. It wasn't like that. We were, somebody hired a function room in a friendly pub that we knew. We all went to this pub and uh, basically we were told, you know, um, we were going to be offered uh, whatever we needed to protect ourselves. And this had come down from one of the families. So we all turned up, and there must have been 30 of us in this room. And the guy at the front was saying, you know, look, this is the way it is. Uh, you are all a target. Everyone's a target. And if they take out another one of ours, we'll be going to take out one of theirs. If your assistance is required, you will be asked, and you will be expected to be fucking tooled up. So anyway... Then a number of guns were produced from a uh, hold-all, and they ranged from little fucking tiny 2-2 pistols, which I, I fully expect some girl once had in a garter. <laughs> Pathetic little things. Uh, right up to um, a couple of shotguns. 
and uh, a couple of the lads said, well, you know, all right, I'll uh, I'll borrow a shotgun. A couple said, you know, I'll have that, I'll have this, I'll have the other. There was a few Berettas, there were quite a few Berettas in there, actually. And, um, you know, the boys came out with all these, and then uh, they kind of looked at me and said, what do you want? I said, I don't need one. And this, Ken, you fucking need one, right? You need one. If it's you or them, you have to fucking use one. And I, oh, Jesus Christ. I said, look, I've got one, all right? And I pulled this fucking uh, SIG 9mm, uh, sorry, SIG 45 out the back of my fucking jeans and put it on the desk, uh, on the desk, on the table. And they all looked at it and went, fuck me. <laughs> and it, it turned out, because obviously a, a 45 is a quite a heavier gun than a 9mm, um, they were all like... Uh, Fucking hell, you know, they'd all got nine mils and I got this four five. So anyway, they all kind of went, much I respect though, Mr. Burton. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but it's not mine, it's Jimmy's. I didn't tell them that though. So anyway, I uh, I went home that day and uh, got a couple of mags filled, um, made sure that I had, you know, the attached to me whenever I went out, had mags in my pockets, um, and it was scary shit, you know, for a little while anyway, but you get used to anything, you know, you get used to anything. I'll tell you what we didn't get used to, and this was fucking stupid. Now, we were all um, around my mate's house, and we're all obviously playing with our fucking guns, aren't we, like kids, and uh, we're spinning them on our fingers, you know, and one of the guys there, he's saying, like, you know, I've been learning to do this, like, because he'd read somewhere that learning to do that gives you a fantastic insight as to the balance of the gun, if you can spin it on one finger, you know. So, and it gives you better gun control, better dexterity with your hand. So anyway, we're all trying this, and we're bringing it out. We do 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 do. All of a sudden, poof! Oh fuck me! One of these guns went off. <laughs> Dopey fucker, I'd only got it loaded. I mean, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Mine was in the back of my trousers, but it didn't have a mag in it. And when it did have a mag in it, it certainly didn't have one in the chamber. Oh, I could not fucking believe this. The gun went off and it basically blew a hole through the ceiling and uh, into the flat upstairs. <laughs> Fortunately, they were out at the time, but fucking hell. Anyway, we we all went out, you know, went out into the country a couple of times, put some tin cans about and shot these guns and got in some target practice and stuff uh, out into the middle of nowhere. Somebody knew a friendly farmer as well, so we were out in the middle of his field, which, uh, you know, we tended to do... And some, a couple of the lads threw fucking cans in the air and we were trying to shoot them. I don't think we hit one once, all, all of us. But uh, we put cans on walls and just bang, bang, bang and all the rest of it. So it wasn't really a big deal. So anyway, a couple of months go by and uh, there, there is still a lot of shit going down. So we're, we're getting third hand. Like, I mean, uh, you know, th there was some other guy shot. Uh, some other guy got, um, uh, got baseball batted. And, you know, there was a lot of tit for tat going on. And we were just like hoping that these guys would get together and settle this fucking thing because it was really, really getting dangerous. And then, out of nowhere, I get a phone call one day to say, um, <laughs> we have a problem. So why do we have a problem? 
says such and such has been killed what yep he's been shot you're fucking joking me I said nope drive by drive by for fuck a fucking drive by and drive bys were unheard of in those days that was something that happened in america not the uk but apparently they waited for this guy saturday night going to the club with his wife and his mate going to the local social club to go and play bingo or whatever it was car went past back window opened shots rang out his wife had been hit his mate had been hit and he'd taken two bullets to the chest and he died he died on scene um and we were told you know okay double is going to end this and he's going to end it like with a major event we all knew what that meant we didn't get the planning for it we didn't uh because we weren't fucking you know at that that sort of end of the scale where anyone would tell us anything but uh we get to know about it the day before the only thing we were told was keep this day free okay we can do that so what they decided to do uh was basically go round to a house um which wasn't in dudley it was on uh, the outskirts of dudley and quite affluent area uh i tell you how affluent it is this fucking place had electric gates and it had a fairly long driveway and uh it was a bloody big house now this was one of the bosses and everybody kind of was told that that was the situation chances are he has got a few people there with him and you know what's going to happen is uh we're going to go in there we're going to make it uh him make a phone call he's going to call the troops in say he's got people at the house when these troops arrive we're going to basically just waste every one of these fuckers now I, I sat there and wrestled with my conscience for a little while and I thought, Alright, I can do this, but I'm not I'm not gonna off anybody. There's no bullet from my gun that's gonna fucking kill someone. Definitely not. So when it comes on top and the shooting starts, I'm gonna shoot in the air. I'm gonna shoot above their heads. And I can make it look as though I am shooting at them, but I shall be shooting in the air. That way, when the police arrive with the fucking helicopters and the armed response units and we all get fucking arrested, I won't get done for murder. Anyway, it was, uh, like I said, it was all planned and all going to happen. And it was going to happen Saturday afternoon. And uh, sure enough, there were vans laid on, cars laid on. We were told a meeting point, And then on the way there, we were told the plan. <clears throat> so we get to this house and uh immediately we got there we, there was no messing around i mean we weren't going to park and wait for someone to say go immediately we got there a car was driven straight through his fucking gates and uh it wasn't a car actually it was um, a pickup truck with one of these bull bars on the front and that was nicked but anyway that went straight through his gates and his gates just smashed off and we all drove straight up the drive, uh, got to the house. Everybody's pulled their fucking pistol out the back of the trousers. And uh, away we go. Now, I'd got one of these uh, crazy um, hats on, which was kind of like a, it, well, ski mask, but it was rolled up as just a hat. 
I'm dressed pretty much in black jeans and a black black top. I didn't want to. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to uh, be seen if I didn't have to be seen. So if I needed to hide my face, I could. And we were all kind of looking about the same way. So anyway, we um, it all kicked off at the front. I mean, we by the time we got out the fucking van, it was practically all over. There was a few shots that rang out. Uh, we went to where we were supposed to be positioned, which was in the gardens. And uh, we were meant to wait there for the troops to arrive. And then pull in a pincer movement on the troops. When all these cars of fucking gangsters came in, we were going to basically shoot at the cars from the back. And, you know, so we didn't get into the house. Uh, the, the heavier boys were in the house. And they'd got the guy, he'd made the call. And sure enough, there were a lot of fucking cars we could hear within about five minutes that were, you know, making all sorts of funny fucking noises. And then cars started to pull in the gates. Some quite nice cars, actually. And at that point, we opened fire. Now, as far as I was concerned, there wasn't any danger in me shooting at tyres. So, you know, we wanted to make these cars fucking stop in a hurry. So we all opened fire and glass got smashed and, you know, the cars, the cars went weaving side to side and uh, the, the guy had a pagoda type thing in, the, in his garden and one of the cars went smashing into this pagoda. I don't know if I hit anything. I can't even tell you now if I hit anything. I may have hit, you know, um, I may have hit some bodywork, I don't know and maybe a tyre, I'm not sure. But the tyres did get blown out. Uh, I remember somebody going, hey, careful, careful, you're going to blow the car up if you hit the tank. So that's a fucking urban myth, you twat. <laughs> they don't blow up if you hit the fuel tank. Fucking hell. Anyway, it's not the movies. So we open fire like fuck, and um, we put a lot of rounds into these cars. More cars came in as we were doing this. Um, then some of the boys came out from the front who were the proper boys and they opened fire into the front of these cars and every single person in these cars got offed basically now I reckon there was probably about eight that got taken out um, and then a couple of people got threatened and you know I think the guy was sufficiently warned and then a whistle blew and we knew at the point of the whistle we were to get in the nearest motor and we were getting out of there. Now, it all went like clockwork. We didn't even hear fucking police sirens. And it absolutely just went, you know, from the adrenaline run of opening fire on these fucking guys to being in the back of a car. And I would got in a car this time round to... You know, being on the motorway back towards um, Coventry was like seconds. It just seemed like seconds. All the time, my heart's going... <laughs> and we're checking our weapons and we're making sure, you know, no one's left one in the chamber or whatever. And we're just making our guns safe. And we're heading out of there. Now, we'd all taken different directions to get out. Um, we'd gone cross-country and a few of the guys had gone uh, directly to the motorway and... You know, we'd, we'd all got away anyway, heading back to Coventry. And then uh, I was waiting for it to kick off. You know, I was looking at the news reports following day, you know, looking for the um, uh, the police are looking for XXX and let's see if they've got a description of me and blah, blah, blah. There was absolutely nothing. 
There was nothing. Absolutely zilch. And it turns out that what had happened was this family uh, from this area had basically cleaned up the mess themselves. They had um, got two guys to hang gates back on hinges. Um, when the police turned up after hearing reports of shooting, there was it up completely fucking cleaned it up. The bodies were disposed of. The uh, cars were disposed of. Um, all the damage was undone and the mess was cleaned and the coppers just did not have anything to go on apart from somebody reporting hearing gunshots and I would imagine they would have given an excuse like you know oh well we were shooting clays or something but you know it it was just a crazy crazy thing and we heard absolutely nothing about it and afterwards we heard a a fairly uh, high-end meet had taken place and a deal had been made, an arrangement had been made and that was the end of it. And we were told that was it. It's all off. Calm down. It's finished. And we just... I, anyway, just couldn't fucking believe that that was the way it was going to end. I was shitting myself. And I'm not, you know, worried about admitting that. I was absolutely shit in my pants that I was going to walk out my front door and some fucker was going to put a bullet in my head. In fact, I think a lot of us were like that because we didn't go out very much during that time. And then when it all died down, we got back to our usual routine of nightclubs and, you know, all the rest of it that we used to do. And we left our guns at home and, you know, uh, a lot of the guys that had borrowed the guns had to return theirs. Obviously, mine was mine, so didn't really matter. But that was one of two occasions that I got that gun out. And this is why I'm calling this Jimmy's gun as opposed to um, just naming it after the first time I used it. Because I used it again. And this is the bit I'm really kind of not proud of. Really. The, I had a, um, a relative and... Uh, it was a distant relative and he got himself in a lot of trouble and he basically owed a lot of money and he was being harassed now I knew this because I'd been told friend of a friend so they were small time fucking dope dealers you know, these guys were nothing. They weren't even on the fucking radar. There were guys that dealt blow on street corners, you know, they weren't they weren't anything. But this guy had managed to get himself into uh hot water for a lot of money. And uh his friends were being leaned on. His uh there were threats going on about his family's gonna get leaned on. And so I really had no choice. This particular guy that was causing the problems had to be warned off. And I toyed with the idea of <clears throat> just going down there and taking a few friends, giving the guy a bit of a hiding, let him know he's dealing with the wrong people, and then walking away. But somebody told me that this guy was tooled up. So I went <coughs> alone uh, with Jimmy's gun. And uh, I saw this guy 
in the usual place where he was dealing. And I waited for him. And it was in a place called Hillfields in Coventry. Now, Hillfields was a fucking shithole. It was full of hookers and drug dealers. And, you know, it, it was just pretty horrendous. So I'm, um, <laughs> I'm kind of uh, apprehensive about where I am. I'd parked in a place that I knew... You know, it was on the back of an industrial estate. No one would see the car. I walked through an alleyway and just kept my eyes open on what was uh, going on. Now, I waited for this guy to walk off until he was on his own. And when he was on his own, he was going towards an alleyway that was going to lead... Well, it was a walkway that was going to lead to the flats because there were three fucking great blocks of flats. And he was going to walk over to there, which obviously is where he lived. And as he got into the stairwell, because the lifts were fucked, as they always were, on the first block, I followed him in and pulled a gun on him and then kicked him in the back. <coughs> the guy went down like a ton of bricks. And uh, as he turned around, he saw the gun sticking in his face and he saw me with a mask on. And I shouted at him, show me the fucking piece, show me the piece. And he says, I haven't got, I'm not armed, I'm not armed. And he was holding his hands up. And I said to him, show me the fucking piece, show me the piece. And so anyway, he, he was he was scared fucking stiff. And <laughs> I was fully expecting this guy to be armed, all right? So I had got one in the chamber. And... Uh, the gun went off. It it didn't. It's it's not as if, oh, fucking hell. I didn't look at him and go, "I am going to shoot you." Bang. I looked at him, trying to stop myself from shaking, from being so fucking scared of what I was doing, and having the adrenaline run round me like a son of a bitch. I pulled the trigger too hard, and the gun went off. And it went straight into the guy's left side. Um, he screamed like you wouldn't believe. I mean, the fucking noise this guy made was, it was uncanny. So I'd put a bullet, in, I'd put a bullet in him, and I leaned down as he was holding his left side at the bottom, just by his hip, and. Uh, I basically said to him, do not fuck with the wrong people. And then I said, you are going to fucking back off such and such. And he went, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, because the next one will be in your fucking head. And then I went. <coughs> Quite a few people heard the shot, I would imagine. There were people coming from, uh, um, or I could hear a lot of people coming down the stairs anyway, from the stairwell. I got out the front, ran across the road, got through the alleyway, got in my car, took my mask off, and uh, put the gun under the seat. Fucking hightailed it out of there. Nobody saw me, that was for sure. I'd fucking shot an unarmed man. Not intentionally. But it's hardly the point, is it? The guy had to have a hip replacement, I heard later. 
I'd uh, shattered his hip by putting a, a bullet, 0.45 caliber bullet, into his hip at about three feet. And it just fucking shattered it. And I think what happened was, I mean, uh, the, the bullet had gone into him, uh, gone through his hip, ricocheted off the concrete, come back, and smashed it. That's the only thing I can imagine, because there was a lot of damage from what I was told. <coughs> so anyway, um, that's my two occasions of using Jimmy's gun. After that, I kept Jimmy's gun in the cupboard for um, probably another two or three months, make sure there was no comeback. And then uh, I decided on this particular day that if I was to carry on having this gun in my flat, more than likely at some point, I would be going to jail for the rest of my life. So dead of night, took the gun, went up to uh, the Coventry Canal and uh, basically wiped the gun completely fucking clean. I mean completely, scrubbed the gun, uh, filed, it, filed the barrel so that it would distort any um, forensics they could do on any bullet that's ever come out of that gun and the gun would be fucking useless. And um, threw it in the canal. Uh, I gave the uh, bullets to a mate of mine, um, and he was he was actually going to uh, give them to somebody he knew with a four five. Um, I binned the equipment, got rid of the gun cabinet, and that was the last of Jimmy's gun. So, when I look back on that now, and I think about, <laughs> I, I, I changed somebody's life with that gun. I changed, yeah, he's a fucking drug dealer, but really, I mean, he was a blow dealer. He wasn't a fucking drug dealer as such. He dealt a bit of blow on a street corner. I mean, for fuck's sake, did I, did I really, did I really have to do that? And I wouldn't have done it if the gun hadn't gone off. My um, distant relative uh, was fine. Um, he never got he never got any reprisal for it, and uh, he seemed to he seemed to go on with his shitty life. I didn't really have a lot to do with him after that. I remember a family do. He came up and thanked me, but I just looked at him and went, "Thank thank me for what?" He said, "Oh right, yeah, okay, okay." I said, "No, really, thank me for what?" He said, "No, no, it's okay." I said, exactly, it's fucking okay, all right? So anyway, there was some rumor went round that, um, that the family that, you know, I'd done this uh, or I'd taken care of situation and I was fucking condoned for it, really. And I'm not surprised, and you should be, you should be condoned for something like that. But that was my time with, uh, my time with Jimmy's gun. Now, I owned guns after that. I belonged to a gun club after that. And I did get back into guns. But uh, me and Jimmy's gun, that's as far as we ever went. 
and it's probably the closest I ever came <coughs> to being done for a gun crime. It was uh, two occasions that will stay in my psyche for the rest of my fucking life. It was surreal. It's quite funny though now, when you see it in the pictures or you see it on the, the TV and you think, such bullshit. <laughs> it don't feel like that, mate. It don't fucking look like that. It just doesn't. You think it's going to, but it just isn't. And I can't, I cannot describe to you how it feels to be shooting a gun at things, at people, or even pointing a gun at things, at people. Because you can be the hardest fucker in the world and you will still find it scary. If you don't, you're not human. So anyway, that's the gun story. That's uh, Jimmy's gun. And that's what happened, or didn't happen, depending on your point of view. <laughs> but uh, no, we never heard of Jimmy after that. Don't know what happened. Whether or not he served his five years, I wouldn't imagine he he did easy time. He was never that sort of guy. I would imagine he did quite hard time. Um, and even if you know he did get out after that length of time, he certainly never got in touch with any of us again. Um, not that I stayed in touch with the boys anyway, um, as I dipped out of that lifestyle. Uh, I'm quite right too, because it's not... It may seem appealing, there may be a, a, a kind of certain romantic, almost, call to that lifestyle. But believe me, it's not. It's not what it seems. It never will be, no matter who tells you it is. So this uh, is the end of Jimmy's story. And guys, I hope you like this one. Leave your comments in the comments section on the video, which will go up on Sunday on YouTube. And I'll see you on the dark side. Take care. Okay, well, that's the podcast story. As you might have guessed, I recorded that the other day. Um, I tell you, I'll let you into a little secret, you know. Sometimes when I record these podcast stories... Um, I get quite, not not depressed as such, I get quite down about going back to certain times in my life that I would really rather forget. It is difficult sometimes, you know, it is difficult. I mean, I, I absolutely couldn't talk, for instance, about the time that I was on remand um, for many years afterwards because I was psychologically quite damaged by the whole experience I was um, the first time I, I saw somebody get killed I was damaged by that experience by that experience what happened on the motorway I was damaged by that and it, it's like it's like life is in certain circumstances anyway a series of these events that you know are traumatic and they're also almost a test of character you know to to try and work out whether or not you can deal with them and it's how strong you are coming out of it not how weak you are going in everybody's weak going in you have a death in the family you have a um a bad event you lose your money you become redundant whatever you get bad grades everybody's weak at that point 
but it's how strong you are coming out of that weak period. That's the measure of the man, I think. It just, you know, it just is. But, you know, I guess I'm okay 20 years later talking about all this, but I still, I mean, the, 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 I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a little secret now. The night that I recorded the um, podcast story about the motorway, uh, I went to bed that night and I absolutely just couldn't sleep because I kept just seeing images in my head and I, I just couldn't just couldn't sleep at all and then I, I got up in the morning I was knackered I was really down it took me a good couple of days to get get through that you know so even now you know I can be affected <coughs> people say you know when when you have a traumatic event that time is the great healer and all this it's it's it is to an extent but it doesn't really fully heal the wounds it just dulls the pain a little bit Anyway, um, we've got a few things going on at the moment, I guess, uh, with um, COD4. We've got a few things going on with Duke that nobody's watching now. <laughs> I don't know why I'm still making videos about Duke, because nobody's watching them. Nobody, nobody wants to watch them at all. It's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> Oh dear, such a shame really. I love Duke. I just I just absolutely love Duke, but hey. Okay, well this has been the end of this one and it's gone on for about an hour. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed this and uh please don't forget if you've um listened to it on your whatever whatever or on the website and you've got a comment to make, hold on until Sunday night and then make a comment on the video that goes up on YouTube, which will be, you know, the YouTube version of the podcast story. Guys, as ever. I'm going to see you on the dark side. Um, thank you for listening to my rants and my dulcet tones and my <laughs> my stories of a, a past that I think anybody would rather forget. Guys, I will see you on the dark side. Take care. Welcome to the world of digital sound. Systems.